and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, fresh out of uh, sunny Cleveland, Ohio, Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Very sunny, David. Very sunny. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting weekend. Um, the Heat were well, well represented by Spo and, and Jimmy. Um, but that's about all I want to talk say about basketball at this point. I'm really <laughs> excited discuss the Miami food scene. Uh, yes, uh, this is easily the most Anthony has ever prepared for one of our <laughs> podcasts because we have a, a guest this week, uh, Carlos Frias, our, the Miami Herald food editor and host of the new weekly, new kind of new, I don't, what are we calling the podcast? It's like it's a reboot. rebooted, it's a right? Yeah. yeah, it's called a reboot. Every, everything's rebooting these days. So we have rebooted uh, La Ventanita, which is a weekly live video podcast where Carlos, uh, a James Beard award winner, uh, and co-host Amy Reyes, who's the editor at Miami.com, talk to some of the most interesting people in the Miami food scene. Um, so we're doing that corporate synergy today and getting Carlos on uh, to promote the new show, do a little cross-promotion here. Yeah. Um, Carlos, how's it going? I'm good, man. I, I apologize to your listeners for any bait and switch, but we promise good food talk and return to sports talk next week, and I, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, all-star break, we figured perfect time. Not a whole lot going on uh, in the NBA world these days. Maybe Anthony and I will do a little basketball at the very end. Um, but, Carlos, you actually are a former sports writer. Um, so how did this switch happen for you? And is this, like, I don't know, is this the best decision you ever made? I mean, it's funny. I, I was a career sports writer. I mean, that was it. Like, I like I thought one day I was going to be, you know, uh, ESPN the magazine. That was my, uh, that was my goal um, uh, coming up. Uh, I'd been writing. I mean, I was published at 19. I was a, a correspondent for the Sun Sentinel <clears throat> back in the day um, when I was still in college, and I wrote sports for you know almost 20 years. And um, and I kind of transitioned transitioned to general features, and then food and voila, voila, <laughs> here I am. Um, and it's been great, man. It's been. It's fun to be able to tell kind of reg- the stories of regular folks. You know, as you guys know, um, it, it's it's uh, you know it's getting harder nowadays to to really corral good time with athletes. You know, to have one on one time, and certainly to have you know folks who who want to talk with you. You know, it's it's tough. Uh, but but writing about food is kind of you're writing about people in your community, and and they're dying to to tell their story and talk to folks about what they have going on. So it's been fun. Yeah, are there lessons you take from sports writing that, that still apply uh, in the food writing world? Oh, man, yeah. Like, uh, first of all, uh, chefs call you back like coaches, particularly like high school coaches at like yeah. odd hours, <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? Like at weird hours, I'm able to get in touch with chefs because their hours are weird. So I was like, oh, my God, this is just like high, this is just like covering high school sports, man. Um, and the rest is kind of like everything else. You know, you – you humble yourself in front of the people that you cover and say, you know, I don't know about this thing that you know about, you know, please educate me. You know, you teach me. And really, I think that's the best way to do it. So it's it's been fun to learn from these folks. And one one thing I I was listening to your, one of your episodes last night, Carlos, um, with Alex Blackmore uh, from Hamilton. Yep. And one thing I just really enjoy with your podcast and just in general is like – the Miami food scene is so unique, right? So it's like one of the defining aspects of the community. And you talk to people about it, and it just immediately makes them, like, so relatable. Like, you were talking to them about croquetas and party cake bakery 
and just different things like that. I mean, how much is, like I would just enjoy doing that type of work where you can bring like Miami um, to other people who don't really, you know, if you don't live if you don't live here, you don't kind of understand it in that way. Right, and I think that's the thing is in sports, even if your team, even if you cover your local team, it's still a national coverage. You know, people are still reading you from around the country. They're trying to get that perspective of how it fits into the rest of the country. Whereas you write about food and it's kind of, it's very hyper-local, you know. You get to really dig into uh, the places and the people that make it interesting. And and one of the fun things to do, especially, you know, because my podcast really tries to focus on keeping it very Miami. So, like, talk to these people who have, you know, uh, sometimes national names, but then just kind of, like, getting them not to talk about shop. Like, Alex Lackamore helped write the music to Hamilton. Like, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda created the kind, the uh, the lyrics and his idea for the score. And then this guy comes in and he he literally creates the DNA to the music, you know. Like, the guy, I mean, Billy Corbin called him a bleeping genius. Uh, bleeping mine, not his, you know. And he's a, he's a New World guy, too, as well. So it's interesting then to just talk to a guy who's a genius about one thing and just ask him about totally different, you know. Kind of not my job, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's fun, man. It's fun because it's just like you don't have to be on. You get to just talk about the stuff that is that is cool for you, you know. Yeah, the way you talk about it is like the community thing. It does remind, like it reminds me of covering high school sports, where it's like these, they're like, you know, it can be high profile sometimes, just like some of these chefs you talk to are high profile, but they're really in the community. Whereas you know, with the Heat players, some of them like UD is obviously a, a huge part of the community, but like. You know, a guy like P.J. Tucker, Anthony writes a story at the beginning of the year about him trying to find the best pancakes in town. Like, it's they're, they're, they're newcomers. They're a lot in a lot of cases, uh, especially in the NBA, guys passing through for a year, uh, maybe two. And um, it, it's the fun part of, you know, I think I, I, cover, I still cover a lot of high schools, and I, I think there's probably some overlap there. Yeah, there's nothing like, especially when you start talking to people that are from here, right? Like Alex is from here. I talked to this guy, um, Chef Teach, who's the who's the uh, the founder mm-hmm. of House of Mac. You know, this place that makes this incredible like um, lobster mac and cheese, and like I all the stuff. I hadn't been there before. Oh man, you got to stop I remember I seen you on your podcast, so I was like, ah, oh, check that out sometime. Lobster mac, it's insane, you know. So like, you get talking with these people, like. Always the question is, like, where did you go to high school, right? Because that instantly <laughs> plugs you into what community in Miami yeah. you're from. Yeah, that's a lot of fun to do, you know? Coral Reef, Reef Senior High, by the way, Carlos. Coral Reef, nobody asked you. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Miami Pace right here, nobody asked me, but I was saying. What about you, David? Where are you from originally? I'm from D.C. I'm not down here. What's the D.C. school for for your national listeners? Where, where I, I went from? to Churchill High School, Winston Churchill High School in Suburban Potomac, Maryland. There's a church, there's a high school honoring Winston Churchill, Churchill in America. Yeah. yeah, come on, man. <laughs> come David, on, man. David is quickly uh, becoming a Miami foodie, though. Um, yeah. Well, this isn't food, but I was in Cleveland. He texted me. He texted me a, a picture of of a menu. Um, a beer oh list. yeah, yeah. And he was at Dogfish in Wynwood. Um, Okay. Which had a very interesting stout that was very Miami, David. You, you tried yeah, it, right? It was like Cuban breakfast stout. Anthony and my Cuban uh, A couple of years ago, was it for my birthday? I think it was my birthday yeah. right after the pandemic started. Anthony sent me like a mocha pot and everything and taught me how to make Cuban coffee. So I sent him a cafetera. Wow. I sent him a cafetera with like the whole kit, the, the measuring cup and all that, the Pyrex. Like just the starter's kit to make yeah. him 
you know, real see, Cuban coffee. No, I've been see, indoctrinated. That that's the that's the language of love right there because I did that <laughs> I did that for my daughter who went to college. I sent her a kit, the cafetera, coffee, the the Pyrex, you know, like the whole like the starter kit, you know. Yeah. Well, that right there, that's that's true friendship right there, man. Exactly, exactly. You know, Dogfish is funny, man. Um, Dogfish was one of those those first breweries. Uh, their 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 original one is in Delaware. Delaware, yeah. So it's kind of my neck of the woods. That's why right. I, I, I ride for them. They were one of the first ones to do kind of these culinary flavors in beer. Like, that guy is a mad scientist. That guy's won a James Beard Award, uh, Sam Calioni. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because he, like, uh, give me, I'll give you an example. One of his beers uh, has chocolate and lobster. I'll let that marinate for a second. <laughs> chocolate, it's called Choc Lobster. Oh, I gotta find that one. It sounds it sounds horrible, but trust I do not me, want to try that. It's actually <laughs> it's actually really good. It doesn't taste like lobster, but it has like kind of that minerally kind of a salty flavor in the background. You know, it's it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, not to get too much into brewery talk, but <laughs> is, okay with brewery talk. Uh, Beat culture has become like, which is a brewery, kind of like by the airport, um, has become very. Like, all their beers are, like, some type of food, like key lime pie beer, churro beer, like the guava patelito beer that they have that's really good. Um, they had an iron beer beer. Yeah, that iron beer beer. Like, they, out of all the breweries in Miami, like, the local ones, they're the ones who kind of take the most risk there with, like, making these food items into a beer. Yeah, you know, that. Put, can I give a little background on that beet yeah. culture? So Beat Culture Brewery is right – is built into the side of this um, – Hotel, yeah. Yes, this hotel. And days it, in, I think it is. Yes, it, uh, Days in. in. And that, that Beat Culture used to be a club called Club Mystique. So like the old school Miami people will remember that name. People joke that it was called – that it was Club Mystique because it's a good place to make <laughs> – I mean like look, <laughs> it's attached to a hotel. That's all I'm saying. God, I did primed, not know that story. It is primed for for uh, for lots of regrettable <laughs> moments in life. <laughs> Club Mystique. God, they should have like some, you know, like a ball and chain kind of honors, um, you know, the history of of that space. They should have something that honors uh, Club Mystique yeah. there. Yeah, like you can get a penicillin shot, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you so, know, it's funny. Uh, just to to finish up with brewery talk. Um, actually, on the pod this week, we're gonna have um, Ryan yeah, Sense. That plug, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ryan Sense uh, founded. Uh, he and his brother Casey founded um, uh, Funky Buddha Brewery in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Now that guy was a newspaper ad sales rep for a for a tab called CityLink, and he left that job to start making his own beer at a little strip mall brewery. And like, fast forward like something like, like seven years later, and he he sells the brewery for something like uh, I don't know, like like eight figures. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. So, anyway, to, to, cl- to close brewery talk real quick, I thought it was interesting, <laughs> Carlos. What's the official uh, beer of the heat? I think it's. It might be funky. No, funky Buddha is. No, it's someone it's, has funky it's, Buddha. It's Winwood Brewery, I believe. Oh, is it Winwood? Yeah, Winwood. Yeah, he has a lot of rubias everywhere. Yeah, yeah, no? yeah. Um, I was at a. Uh, was somewhere for dinner. Um, they had a very extensive beer list. It was somewhere in Cleveland for All Star Weekend. 
And they had two beers from Tripping Animals, which is a local brewery in Doral, which oh, I was wow. shocked by. That is that surprising. Had, yeah, it was very surprising. Um, you, do, you rarely see Tripping Animal beers in Miami. Yeah, I don't see them around like anywhere, yeah. Um, Where was that? In Cleveland? What place in Cleveland? In Cleveland. I think it was called Beerhead. Uh, Beerhead, I believe it was. Okay. You know, uh, a lot of like uh, beer nerds will take great pride in doing that. Like when they open their their craft beer bars to like find these little places, yeah. Ver- yeah, uh, uh, breweries that represent the cities that they're from. So that that kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, I was really surprised when I was looking through the list. I'm like tripping it. Tripping animals? Is that tripping animals from? Doral? Like what? In Cleveland? Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was uh, not expected. Um, That's, cool. That's a nice surprise. You wrote today about the uh, the flan at KFC, or I guess the, that is no longer at KFC. Yeah, um, it's a bummer, man. It's a bummer. Was it actually good? Dude, it was amazing. I, I don't know if, Anthony, were you at the paper when I brought it that day? or I wasn't. And okay. I had not heard of it until you brought it. I remember you... Right. I sent an email maybe out like to the newsroom saying that there was flying in the newsroom and I'm like from KFC what like <laughs> I had and I'm I'm you know lived in Miami my whole life pretty much other than Gainesville and I had not heard about that KFC that that did that in Hialeah. All right, so quick quick backstory on them. Um, about 45 years ago, KFC was the kind of franchise where they encouraged each local franchisee to come up with their own foods. And this one right in Hialeah was in the center where all these Cuban immigrants were migrating, you know, after the, the Cuban Revolution. Well, there's one guy who would use the different ingredients available at the KFC, uh, would make family meals. It's a very common in restaurants for chefs to make what they call family meal before the restaurant opens. And one of the things he innovated was a flan with his own recipe. You know, he's a chef in Cuba, uh, a flan with his own recipe using these giant 16-quart um, fryers that KFC back in the day used to fill with hot oil and used to, used to like pressure fry chicken. And so he kind of adapted it to make this flan in it. And very quietly at that KFC for, for 40 plus years, you could get this really brilliant flan. And, and the reason it was so good is because when you cook it in a pressure cooker, it, it kind of maintains a very uh, consistent heat. So that means that you don't get like those, you know, bad flan has a bunch of little holes in it and it looks like, and it tastes like a sponge. It's like chewy like a sponge, which is bad. So, but this one was like silky smooth. I mean, it just nailed it. You know, it's just like a really good flan. And unfortunately, because of, uh, you know, the, some complications, you know, staff shortages, only two people at that KFC knew how to make it. Um, uh, uh, you know, they needed the guys that made it over frying chicken because they didn't have enough people. And, the guy who owned it sold the business because, unfortunately, he got sick with cancer. And it was like a confluence of, like, uh, of, of I guess you could say the homogenization of culture and, and kind of society moving past a little bit that they lost this, uh, this icon of something very, very particularly Miami, particularly Hialeah, really, to be, mm-hmm. uh, to be accurate. Um, but they say that there's a chance the new owners who are actually a, a really big corporation, they're like a billion dollar corporation. Um, apparently they did, t- they did say, uh, to the current general manager that if she can get enough people and they can get the supplies because supply, um, the, the, uh, what you call it, the supply chain has been an issue, but if they can get the supplies and they can get the people freed up, the Hylia Flan will return. So we'll see. I, I hope, I hope that it does. Do you know of any I- other local, 
fast food chains to do anything similar, or is that totally one of a kind down here in Miami, where it's a distinctly Miami menu item? I mean, like that one is so Miami because it feels yeah. like like it's totally off menu. I, I know that you know McDonald's has a long trajectory, long history of of making a version of things that appeal to locals, but it's mm-hmm. still kind of corporate approved. Right. You know, like it's still made. Uh, you know, usually at some general main office, you know, and then it works its way down. But this is like was one that went bottom up, you know, like they had to get special dispensation, like from the Pope to be able to offer it on the menu, which I thought was I, cool. I, I, I thought it was really interesting that they made it in a pressure cooker. Like, is that unique or is that is that common? I've, I've never really heard of making a flung like that. Well, I wasn't I, like I didn't know. I wasn't aware of that. But after I reported that story, I think originally in 2019, um, I just started looking up recipes, and I was like, "All right, how can I try to make this at home?" And there are some some recipes online for making it in an instant pot, which is basically an electric pressure cooker. And dude, I can I can tell you, they turn out awesome. Like they turn out awesome, and they're and they're ready, and well, they're cooked in half an hour. Which usually it's like hours. Hours, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But they're cooked in half an hour. You throw it in the fridge, and the next day you have like one of the most delicious flans you've ever had. Yeah, I've tried making it before like the traditional way, and it has not come out well. <laughs> it's just so much more intricate, it seems like, you know? So maybe that's the way I got to go. Maybe I got to look that up and, and make a flan in the, in the Instapot. Can I tell you about the most interesting flan that I've eaten recently? Or is that yeah. – are we, are we yeah. going too far down yeah, the, sure. flan, no, go the ahead. flan rabbit hole? All right, so um, uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to this new uh, barbecue spot. It's called Smoke and Dough um, out in West Kendall. And I was kind of like uh, killing time between uh, – I had to take my kid to like a little birthday party. And I said, well, let me go to this place because I know it opened recently. It was uh, right next door and by the same folks that have one of my favorite empanada shops, uh, Empanada Harry's. And I kind of just order in general from the menu, and I'm totally blown away by the food at this restaurant. Like the the barbecue at this restaurant is easily uh, one of the best places in Miami. Like it's just automatic. Even though it's only a month old, it's doing incredible barbecue. And one of the things that they make is a smoked flan. So they make this 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 like you know uh, I don't know um, three inch tall flan in these in these cookers inside the smokers and they smoke it for five hours and when it comes out it has that perfect creamy texture but then because of the smoke the caramel has like the smoke so like if you have it just on its own it tastes like dessert barbecue it's crazy my, my mouth is like watering <laughs> oh my god it's so good <laughs> i've never i've never heard of that i know you you i think you recently reviewed that right that restaurant yeah yeah, yeah, another another plug because I'm I'm uh, Mr. Self Promoter. Uh, we I recently reviewed that and we published that in the Herald. So if you Google, you know, uh, barbecue, you know, Kendall, that's where you'll find it. And it's Real and quick, it's, honestly, it's really great. On a self, you know, just for my selfish reasons, where is that? I know you said West Kendall, <laughs> but where, where, what's the intersection? Uh, I want to say it's um, it's Coral Way, Coral Way or Bird Road, and like a hundred and 47th wow. Avenue. Like Finca kind of? Yeah, it's a, it's it's uh it's like another 5 minutes south and west of Finca. So, so get get to the furthest restaurant you know and then keep going for another 5 minutes. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. But you know what? It's totally worth a drive. It's totally worth a drive. 
Yeah. Carlos, you want to – Anthony had written top five hidden gem restaurants in Miami, but I don't know if I want to make you, like, rank five because there's a million, but you want to just, like, throw out a couple other names of, of maybe, like, newer kind of places that people maybe haven't tried or maybe haven't even heard about or maybe have heard about but haven't gotten a chance to check out. Just what are a couple to throw out there for people? Well, they got no games uh, to watch these next couple nights to go uh, <laughs> go get dinner. Yeah, again, for our own selfish reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'm totally good with that. So uh, let's start way out west. So obviously I mentioned Smoke and Dough. If you come a little bit further east, working your way east – uh, there is the, that restaurant Finca, but then there's a smaller diner uh, called Amelia's 1932. So imagine a place that looks like a little French brasserie, so like lots of gold inlay in the windows and cute furniture, you know, and it's kind of a – and there's like a good buzzy atmosphere, lots of copper and stuff. And the food that they make is this version of Cuban, uh, Korean – it's like Cuban, Korean, and Peruvian fusion. And I, I know it sounds like it doesn't seem intuitive, but, man, it is incredible. I'm talking like um, like yucca tots instead of t- tater tots, but tots made of yucca covered with, like, um, marinated shredded pork and then, like, uh, like garlic cilantro sauce and uh, those things like that. So then you have, like, little, like little bite-sized poppable things that you get, like, at a diner. That place is great. I really love that spot. So it's called Amelia's 1932. Um, let's work real, a little real bit. Quick, yeah. Real quick. Yeah. Just uh, <laughs> before you get to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Finca to me is, and all of her restaurants, Eileen, right, is her name. Yeah. Eileen Andrade. Yep. Uh, she has also has Barbara Cole and Doral, which I had been to, I've been one, once. It kind of reminds me of Amelia's, but all of them are so good. And Finca to me is one of the best restaurants in Miami. Again, I'm not, I don't eat at like, you know fancy restaurants on the beach, so I can't, you know, I'm not the most well-traveled person as far as restaurants in Miami, but Finca is, is consistently great, I would say, so I agree. Yeah, with I, I agree. I don't think I don't think a restaurant has to be expensive for it to be great, for it to be, you know, a really great, like, experience to go. And it's also like, I mean, for me, the food, it's always, like, the food has to be good, right? But you have to feel like you have a nice experience, you know, yeah. like, either the place is very kitschy and small and very community or it's got like a feel that's like a fun atmosphere that when you go with friends, you know, is a is a nice is a nice venue. You know, I think that that's part of it. And and I think that's actually what I like about this other kind of hidden spot. Um, it's called uh, Sunny Steakhouse. So um, right at the start of the pandemic, the, there's this downtown bar called Jaguar Sun. And they made these really they're well known for these really great cocktails, but they also serve really good food. But imagine the pandemic comes, all these bar spaces indoor, you know, where folks are falling over each other are closed. So these guys say, you know, what are we going to do in the meantime? Well, what they do is they end up going to like an outdoor event space that's kind of in, uh, it's open to the sky and it's got this big, beautiful banyan tree with hung with string lights. And underneath it, they create this outdoor steakhouse. So like imagine like the real, like a really good steakhouse, like a, like a, Capital Grill, but better kind of food where you have duck and pork and and steak and, you know, uh, different raw bar stuff, but they do it all outdoors. And during the winter, it's just beautiful to go out there. So you go out there and they're playing Drake and they're playing Bruno Mars and you go there with friends and you're having like this big kind of big night out, you know, and they're and they're making food that's, you know, the guy said he was like, we're aiming to do. 
better versions of what you could do at home. Like, you know, like if you really busted your butt at home and made an excellent version of something, we want to do something that's like that plus a little something. And that's really what it is. Like you go for like a – and that's what I mean about atmosphere. Like if you go there just for the food, like you'd be like, oh, this is fine. This was good. You know, this was good meal. But that under the, you know, the big dark sky, you know, it, it kind of adds to the um, to the flair. So I, I would put that on my hidden gems list. That's in the Ooh. Little River. Okay, I was going to say, where is that? Okay, Little River. So it's called Sunny Steakhouse, and it's in Little River. I'm writing these down. <laughs> um, can, how about an old school place? You want to talk about an old school place? Like, I, there's two. Okay, so the the one kind of food that you can get in Miami that you really can't get anywhere else in the world, not widely, is called the frita. Uh, frita is a Cuban hamburger. Uh, Dude, I'm sure you got to know these over, over the years, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, see, like, but but out, but before you got here, you were like, "What is this thing?" Right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So imagine kind of like a smash burger, but then it's um, and I'm doing this for the audience because I know that you guys know what it is. But it's like a smash burger, but it's got kind of like Spanish flavors. So chorizo, cumin, uh, strong garlic, you know, chopped onions, those kind of flavors. And then instead instead of being served on a traditional bun, it's served on Cuban bread, and uh, like two of my favorite places to get those are El Rey de las Fritas, which means the king of fritas, and El Mago de las Fritas, which is the magician of fritas. And what's cool about them, yeah, see, so what's cool about them is like El Mago de las Fritas is like in this little strip mall where, I mean, if you're going 30 miles an hour and you drive by it, you've gone too fast. You know, like you literally will blink and miss it. But like Obama went there in 2013. Like he, you know, like there's pictures of him meeting the guy and the guy's out of his mind because, you know, the the president of the United States just walked in through the door. And the when one of the and one of the Herre de las Fritas is next to a bowling alley. Which is like there's a bowling alley and like people stagger out of the bowling alley and then right next door there's it's the restaurant is literally just a huge flat top grill and like a bar and bar seating. So they're both very like um not fussy Miami. And then you get this food that you can only get here. So like that's that's what makes it one of my favorite spots. Bird Bowl, legendary, mm-hmm. right next door. The legendary Bird Bowl. God, how, how'd you like to stick your feet in the, into somebody else's shoes now? Like the pandemic has just made everything a little <laughs> a little grosser. Like, oh, really? We were sharing shoes with strangers? That didn't see, That doesn't seem sanitary. I was actually talking about that with my wife yesterday, coincidentally, because we passed by Bird Bowl, and it is always packed. Like no matter what time, it is always full. You can't find parking in that lot. Um, you go there just to get ball game or two, and it's like a two-hour wait to get in, especially on the weekends. It's amazing how full it always is. And I think a lot of it is because, there. I mean, other than like the boutique bowling alleys, there's no really other traditional bowling alley. There used to be Don Carter's. Old Miamians know about Don Carter. Yes. It was like the go-to place to bowl in Kendall. Kendall, baby. Um, and now it's just bird bowl, pretty much. So yeah, that's pretty t- without the the fancy ones. I think yeah. there's one on, there's one on the beach, right? Isn't there one on the beach that's like underground and it's all kinds of fluorescent lights and yeah, everything? It's like and strike maybe, right? I think something like one of those or no? Is it? I oh, you no! Know, I know you're, you're talking about the one in the addition hotel. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. But it's like so you two got lanes. That one. It's like yeah, two lanes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really a bowling. It's like going to somebody's house and there being a bowling alley at their house. A music like video was shot there. That can that doesn't count. No, it's got, you know what? A bowling alley has to smell like feet. Yeah, that's a requirement. There you go. 
Um, What's your next one, Carlos? Let's see. What are their What are their hidden gems? Um, uh, you know, I always talk about this bar near uh, on in uh, Little Havana called uh, Union Beer Store, uh, and it's you know it's just a, a little craft beer bar. They have different vendors come in every day of the week. Like one day it's a guy doing ramen, one day it's a guy doing um, handmade uh, uh, dumplings. Uh, on Thursdays is one of my favorite. They do a they do a pan con biste. This guy Panolo who works his name is Adrian and he works uh, he works the bar. He's actually the bar manager. Uh, but then once a week he makes these awesome pan con biste and it's totally worth it, you know. And on that note, like if you want to go like traditional old school Miami, like uh, uh, like a great pan con biste spot, uh, which a uh, pan con biste is just a, is a steak sandwich uh, on Cuban bread uh, with little fried uh, crispy papitas, right? Little uh, French fried potatoes. Um, and there's a place called Mary's Coin Laundry, which again another one of those Miami places. It's Legendary. Like, it's a coin laundry. But it's also a little cafeteria window, um, and it's and like after late commission meetings, I remember once I, I was it was some restaurant issue where I had to go to a Miami City commission meeting, and uh, our our um, our municipal reporter at uh, Joey Fletch's was there also, and uh, and we both finished after a long night. It's like one in the morning, and we separately met each other like at Mary's Coin Laundry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's how you know it's a Miami place. It's like yeah. just when you run into people, you know, and uh, and when you run into people, you know, at one in the morning, you know, that's how you know it's a spot. So I'd put that on your on your menu if you were coming into Miami for the first time and and wanted to find something really kind of weird and unique. Is there a place that's recently or not even recently just that's closed that you miss the most? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's I know that this that Cuban restaurants are, are a dime a dozen here. Like we have many of them, and I still have some favorites. But like my ultimate favorite um, closed during the pandemic. Uh, it was uh, it was called La Fragua. Um, it was by the these little old folks, these octogenarians um, who founded the Larios restaurant. So folks who go down the South Beach might know that there's a Larios on the beach, and it's a Cuban restaurant that the Estefans opened with. These old folks, because they they had this really famous, well-known restaurant uh, in like the middle of Miami, near Fountain Blue, near uh, uh, this Mall of decrep- Americas. Yes, yeah, this right. decrepit old mall. I was gonna say the Mall of America's <laughs> Mall, the Mall of America's Mall, where you can like uh, you know you can get your your driver's license renewed yep. and uh, <laughs> and and also buy some like uh, some some clothes to send to your family in Cuba. You know, that's where I used to go take the bus from to go to UF. I don't know if that was. The GMG bus to go to UF. That's where it would pick us up right at that I, mall. I made that ride <laughs> on that stinky bus. There was a there was a kid. The first time that I really like heard uh, uh, like shaggy reggae music was sitting next to this kid who had it on with his headphones too loud, and I listened to Shaggy for five hours, and I was like, <laughs> and like, I hated reggae for like ten years because of that trip. Those buses, those bus rides, they were epic. I can't believe that our parents made us do that. It was oh, like 50 man. bucks round trip, and to get a ride from UF, like on the holiday, you know, during the holiday break, was, you had to like get, be in line for hours just to wait and get a spot on that bus because it was in, in such high demand to come down to Miami, and everybody would take it down. Yep. Anyway, it was awful, man. It was awful, uh, you know, and yet I would wish it upon my children because it's still like, well, I think it's only like 80 bucks and that's probably oh, cheaper than yeah. gas. Not even. Maybe, maybe it's gone up, but it was like 50 bucks when I was just doing Yeah, I think best. that's right. Yeah. 
I think that's right. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's switch gears um, since this is a sports podcast after all. Um, Carlos, you you still attend a sporting event from time to time, I'm sure. Uh, What are your top five foods to eat at a sporting event? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, you know what's interesting is that now you can have like back right. when we, we, you know, when it was like, a hot dog, was, hamburger. That was it. Pretzel. Yeah, that was about it. But now they really go out of their way to try to tap into the local community, right, and get and get um, uh, uh, kind of interesting food from local vendors and stuff like that. Like I remember, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, you can get Jackson Soul Food uh, at Hard Rock Stadium. Or what's it called now? Right. Stokart, Stokart Hard Rock? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so like, yeah, the Dolphins, they, they made a big push to try to get some. Yeah, Versailles, too. Yeah, they have a ton. I never really walked around the concourse there until recently, and I did not realize all the different local and semi-local kind of restaurants they have. Food yeah. For. Yeah. I like, I like Jackson's. I think that's a cool, because that's a very Miami spot. You know, they it's a soul food restaurant in Overtown, which – you know, sometimes over the years has gotten a, a bad rap, but Overtown is very much like a black Little Havana in that sense. You know, like people have very, you know, kind of uh, nostalgic memories of Little Havana. Well, Overtown is like is in a way like that, too, you know, and and it's having a real resurgence, like yeah. places that have been there a long time and have stuck it out. You know, now are seeing uh, investment by like big local chefs like Marcus Samuelson uh, open yeah. a, a Red Rooster, which is <laughs> really excellent. That That place is excellent. But so is Jackson's, you know, and, and you can get that at, at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, I think you can get, if I'm not mistaken, at the AAA, uh, there's there's FTX. FTX. Is that a crypto? Is it like crypto stadium? Yeah. Yeah. It is, yes. That's gross. Apologies, <laughs> Apologies to Heat Brass, but that's – which, by the way, the Heat – I have to say the Heat have uh, – and, and this is kind of like inside baseball, but they do have some of the best PR people that I've dealt with. Like over the years, my best relationships have always been with the Heat folks. Like I think that they're, I think they're pros, you know. Yeah, they're good guys for sure. Yeah. So, um, so shout out Tim Donovan and his folks. <laughs> but like, I like that uh, that they had um, uh, what you call it? Um, th- this chef uh, Timon Balu, who had uh, this really great little like, um, it was like a a restaurant that was a fusion of his background. So he's like, he's got like Indian from Trinidad uh, roots, but also Chinese, and he had like a little. Uh, spot inside the inside the uh, uh, the the FTX. Oh, the FTX. Well, no, I was looking at David because is that our place? I was uh-huh. going to say David and I and Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press, who was a frequent guest on this podcast. We love going to this little Indian stand that nobody goes to. It is always <laughs> empty with no line. I don't know who and, it is. I'm sure it's some. I don't know. I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's him. That that might be it. That might be it. So good. Like you would never. People are like, you're eating Indian food in the arena. Like, are you sure you want to do that before covering a game? You know what they. You know what they eat in India before their cricket matches? Indian Indian food. food. (laughs) (laughs) So it it is very very good. So I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's 
that I'm, I'm not sure. That's, that's I, interesting. I'm going to say that it is only because it makes me seem smarter. So, <laughs> But they, they have a, a, a place there, too, um, which I haven't tried, but uh, I'm a fan of their other stuff. Uh, the restaurant Itame, I-T-A-M-A-E, is, which is like a, a Nikkei fusion restaurant. So, okay, in Peru, has huge um, – Japanese and Chinese um, uh, 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 populations from going back centuries, like like 200 years. And so they've had a, a, a cuisine kind of pop up in Peru um, that reflects that community, and it's called Nikkei. The, the Japanese one's called Nikkei, and the, the Chinese one's called Chifa, uh, which is the, 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 that version of it. So the folks who are, are these um, – uh, Peruvian folks started this restaurant called uh, uh, Itame, and they have a little outpost that I, I think is called something different, but it's at the FTX. And that, from what I understand, is really good too. Like I, I trust anything that they would make. So I know uh, it can be it can be scary to eat uh, some versions of fish or uh, or maybe even raw fish when you're at a place, but uh, uh, when you're not at the restaurant. But I would give it a shot. It sounds a, good. A couple takes from me. Now that we're on this topic um, about FTX Arena food, which, you know, <laughs> is kind of our office, right? It's my office yeah, these days. Sure. Um, they have Mojo Donuts. I've never actually tried it, but they yeah. do have Mojo Donuts. So that's that's one other local place they have in the arena. But I think, Carlos, a good story idea for you. I'm not telling you what to do. But <laughs> Look, I'm writing it down right now. I'm going to write that. They do not have Cuban coffee at the arena. Come on. They don't? They do not have that. Cuban coffee. They have. You can get it at Hard Rock. You can get it at yeah, Lone Depot Martin, Park. No, no, yeah. Yeah, Lone Depot Park. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, that, they that do is... not have – and they have Bucelo as a, as a sponsor, big sponsor. They're on everything. And I have tried. I have tweeted at the Heat. Yeah, there's Sergio's there, true. I've tweeted at the Heat. I've tweeted at Cafe Bucelo. <laughs> and they say, we're going to work on it. It's been three years since that, and there has been no progress made. And I am just so disappointed in the heat organization. <laughs> Look, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm saying if you showed up with a hot plate and a mocha pot and some <laughs> coffee and sugar, I'm, I think you could make a killing there in one weekend. Like, even I'm if like, it costs you your job, you'd probably make so much money in one weekend, you'd be like, it. you could retire off it. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to, like, go on strike and not not write about the game and just start making coffee and start selling Open it. Open a stand, Yeah. <laughs> I like two dollars a piece, and I think you charge more than that. Yeah, probably at the arena, so I can like <laughs> go five times the normal amount. Five bucks. Yeah, for yeah. Shot five bucks for for, for cafecito. You make a killing. That's a that's a huge failing. I think they need to address that immediately. That's that's no bueno. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty surprised by that. Just because, like you said, David, they have Cuban coffee at pretty much every other sports venue in town, and the yeah. heat, which I would argue, is kind of takes on the Miami identity more than most teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marlins are in Little Havana, yeah. I guess, so there's that, but yeah, certainly. They're the only thing downtown, so. Do the listeners know about uh, about your, your obsession with Cuban coffee, Anthony? Do they know about it? It's well documented. It's, it's well documented, I would well, figure. I was going to ask you this, Carlos. What's your favorite? Because you know, I'm one that I don't have an Instagram account like some people who like, literally puts grades on ventanitas and coffee. I know there's some accounts like that out there, but I do do my own grades. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I keep them in my book. So I know. What do you, how do you score them? I mean, it's it's like, it's about... Five, five cafecitos? One to five like, cafecitos? 
Yeah, it's a customer. It's like a combination of obviously the quality of the coffee is number one, right? Right. And it has to be real Cuban coffee. The croquetas, the, you know, they're just a different food on it has to be good. And then the customer service and just the environment of it, I think, uh, like just that whole kind of combination has to be right for it to be a good ventanita. And I'm interested in you kind of, do you have a favorite ventanita that you go to? Or even if it's out of the way, like you'll try to go if you're in the area um, because you like it so much. There's there's three that I really like. Man, there's four. Okay, let's let's start with three. We'll do three, and then we'll do we'll do a plus one. So obviously, I know that this is the answer everybody's going to give, but it's Versailles. You can go back and forth about Versailles food. Like I think it's good standard Cuban food. Like you know, I don't think they do anything out of this world, but it's very standard Cuban food. But that ventanita is special because iconic. Yeah. Yes, it's iconic. And you know what? It's not just that it's iconic. The Cuban coffee is superb. Yeah. It's consistent. And like when you ask for a cortadito, which is, you know, half evaporated milk, half Cuban coffee, they do this thing where they pour the steamed evaporated milk, and it has to be evaporated milk, into the coffee, and they bring it right up to the edge, and it's almost like surface tension is the only thing that's keeping it from spilling. <laughs> and, dude, it's like a it's like a carnival act. Watching them do it, you're kind of holding your breath. Yeah. Is this the time they're going to spill it? And I've never <laughs> seen it spilled. So I love that spot, obviously. But then there's like two other spots. There's a place called Tinte Cafe, um, which uh, is in – it's technically in Coral Gables. And they do – they just use like a different kind of Cuban coffee, like a special kind of grind that's got a little bit of that – for lack of a better term, it's got a little bit of that hipster coffee flavor. It's got a little bit more fruitiness. And then when they add the milk to it, it's actually really special and really different. So I really like that spot. And they also make my favorite croquetas in Miami. They make whoa, these ha- whoa, ha- whoa, yes, whoa, yes, whoa. breaking croqueta news. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so our, our, so our croquetas are a very Miami thing. You know, it's uh, we we pride ourselves on making great croquetas, and obviously the ones there. It's a tube of ham paste, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, let's make it sound a, bit, a little bit better than that. <laughs> It's it's diced ham uh, mixed in a bechamel sauce. So that you know croquettes are, are there's a battle whether it was French or Spanish founded, but definitely on that border of France and Spain. And uh, so it's it's the ham is mixed into with a bechamel sauce. It's cooled overnight, and then they're scooped and rolled in in uh, like breadcrumbs, and then they're deep fried. So they're basically these molten deep fried balls of. Uh, of like cheese and cheese and ham. And it's like, how can you go wrong with that? They're amazing. Uh, Cubans do the thing where they add a little bit more flour to make them a little bit more substantial. So that's what makes ours different from the ones overseas. But the ones at this place are incredible. At Tinta Cafe, they're, they're really hammy and they're fat. They're like enormous. They're, 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 they look like a, uh, like a croqueta that's been fattened for the feast. You know what I mean? Um, so that's one of my favorite spots to get, to get a Cuban coffee. And the other one is, I, you know, I know we, we're going to have differences on this one, so I want to hear your reaction, is the Cortadito at Chug's Diner. I know that you were you once went and you were, not that it wasn't good, but you were offended at what they charged you for yeah. it. Because yeah. usually, they're, usually they're about a buck 75 maybe, a buck 50, a buck 75, depending where you go. But they charged you five bucks? It was like five bucks. <laughs> that I, hurt just, you, huh? I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I know it's the Grove. I know it's a nice place. I know it's, like, very trendy. I get that. And I appreciate it. I appreciate that there is a Cuban place now in Coconut Grove. Because for the longest time, I have said, I like Coconut Grove. 
but there's no Ventanita. And I do not feel like I'm really in Miami in Coconut Grove, even though Coconut Grove is Miami. But I just, it, there's something missing there. So I do appreciate there's a Cuban restaurant there now. Um, but I was just really surprised. But, and it did not, and it didn't, to me, I, I did not, ta- it did not taste like Cuban coffee. Can I, can I, can I give you a hack for that place? Yeah. So if you sit down at that restaurant, whether inside or outside, <clears throat> it has its own menu. Um, but if you go to the window, if you go to the ventanita, they have a separate menu of like more affordable to go items. Like their Cuban sandwich might be like nine bucks, nine or ten bucks, and it's this really nice big Cuban sandwich. Um, I think their cortadito is a little bit more affordable, like at the window. So like the hack there is like if you're in a hurry and you want like more of a traditional Cuban experience, you can get that get it at that ventanita in particular. Okay, which, which I think is cool. I, I need to try the food too. I have not gone. I've I heard the food is very good. Um, I've been so. several times, and I and I I literally just went with. Uh, I have a, a book club. It's like five guys. We usually meet in a bar uh, or a place where beer is ex- beer or cocktails are accessible because it makes it. It's a social lubricant for talking about a book, good book. <laughs> uh, and uh, and we went there, man, and we ate we ate fabulously, man. It was re- the food was really good. So endorse. I uh, I just want to give my top Ventanitas really quick. Um, <laughs> Because I'm just kind of surprised, Carlos, that you left out, which is my top Ventanita in Miami. I know what you're going to say, but yeah. go ahead. Isla Canaria. Yes. All right. It it's, is. You know, that's fair. That's fair. I'm thinking of the ones close to me. Yeah, I'm I know. The, I know. That's, I'm that's veering, true. I'm, I'm it's out of the way for me, too. It's out of the way for me, too. I mean, it's, what, on 137th and Coral Way? Like, it's pretty far out west. Yeah. But their croquetas, to me, are the best in Miami. Legendary croquetas. Very consistent. The coffee is always strong and very good um the vibe is always good so that is my top mentanita in miami Versailles too i agree very consistent iconic um you know like the way they do the the cortadito is like art like you said mm-hmm. um and then I, w- I would point out i know it's kind of like boring but la carreta on bird road to me is like another iconic mentanita yeah, um, that place is that place yeah. is great. They do a really good job there. Yeah, center of my it's kind of like the center of Miami. I'm biased because it's by my house, um, but that's my go-to. It's so close, and I, the coffee is always consistent there too, and very good. So those are my top three. Can I do a plus one? So here's here's my plus one: the ventanita. But the reason to go to that ventanita is you is the ventanita at La Palma Cuban Restaurant on Calle Ocho. It's a good one. But but you only go there when it's 60 degrees or colder because that is one of the places in Miami that makes hot, fresh-to-order, uh, fresh-fried churros. Ah, and they, and they yeah. make it with a thick, hot chocolate. So this this one quirk about Miami is that any time that it's, quote-unquote, cold, which oh. is any time 60 degrees or lower, there will be an obscenely long line out of any yes. place that makes – um, churros, but specifically that especially place. there, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about a hundred deep, David. Yeah, hundred people. <laughs> I, deep. I waited like forty minutes in that line before to get. Yes, yes, and but but the thing is, even though, even though you wait in line, they're frying them to order, so you get it. And the coffee, right. the hot chocolate is hot. The churros are you know they're hot and crispy and covered in sugar, and they're amazing. So that's that's a that's a specialty in Ventanita. That's a good one. I like that. And then Tinta Cafe, that was a really good um, mention by you. To, to me, their sandwiches are some of the best in Miami. 
Um, oh yes, I did. I feel yeah. to mention their sandwiches. They're great. Sandwiches are very very good. So that's a good that's a good spot for sure. Do you want to, David? Do you want to do the game of um, Kiss Mary Kill that Carlos has made popular? Yeah, sure. I, we we want to wrap. We'll wrap things up there because yeah. we're, we're starting to get a little long. Um, we're gonna steal a game from Love Antonita podcast. Which uh, what day is that out every week? Is it's uh, we we go live Thursdays at eleven a.m. Uh, and it's simulcast on the Herald website, YouTube, Facebook Live. And you can always watch it on replay. And then it's always available on Apple Podcasts. So if you give it a yeah. – if you, if you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, boom, you'll get the new episode when it comes in. Yeah, so we're going to uh, steal a game that you like to play there. Uh, we're going to do Kiss, Mary Kill with food. Uh, and our three that we've chosen are croquetas, cafecito, and tostadas. Woo! Oh, tostadas. That's, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> so croquetas, cafecito, or tostada. All right, so kiss. I'm going to kiss Cuban coffee because it's one of those things that, like, like it has to be part of, of, uh, of uh, my oeuvre. If, uh, if, you live, if I live in Miami, I, have to, I, can't, I can't live without it, so I'm going to kiss it. Um, I am going to marry Tostada. Wow. Because... Cuban bread. I'm, I joke. I joke with my partner uh, Gabby that uh, that I'm a bread locust. Like if there's bread in the house, I will only eat bread until bread is gone, and then I'll be like, all right, what else is there to eat in the house? We have filet mignon. No, that's fine. I'm just gonna eat a loaf of Cuban bread until there's no Cuban bread. And yet, and then you and then you butter it and you press it hot and crispy. No, no, no. I can't. I gotta marry that. So I gotta marry Cuban bread. And unfortunately, because you evil people have made me choose, I'm going to have to kill Croquetas. But I will, I will miss them. <laughs> I will miss them. I will sing songs to them. What would you do? Uh, I think I'll marry uh, Cafecito because, like, like it has to be like you know, it's the one that you would have every day, right? Like the other two, you can uh, kind of do with that. Like you know, you could go a day without eating Croquetas. I actually, my hottest Miami take is like I'm not a huge Croqueta guy. Um, okay. Much like if I go to like a Ventanita, I'm getting a uh, empanada or something. like I'm, I don't know. It's just something with the texture. No, that doesn't totally my, do it for me. My, my next gift, to, my next gift to you will be an East Las Canarias <laughs> That's gonna be. Yeah, I've never had East Las Canarias, so I gotta maybe maybe I've been like having mediocre croquetas. Because I am not a huge croqueta guy either. So my, this might okay. this is gonna ruin my answer, but uh, because it's gonna give it away. Um, but East Las Canarias are a different level. They really are. So okay, I'll have to try them. So then, so then you're you're also gonna marry Cuban bread, or no? You're gonna kiss Cuban bread? No, I'm marrying Cuban coffee. I'm marrying cafecito. And so you're kissing Cuban bread then? Yeah, exactly. Right. All right. Our priorities are in line there. Yeah. Oh, I think we're kind of on the same page. Yeah, Yeah. I'm gonna obviously marry Cuban coffee. I think that's (laughs) obvious. (laughs) I'm gonna kiss it too. So. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna kiss uh, it. He's gonna marry it. He's gonna kill everybody else. I'm, and then I'm gonna actually kiss croquetas because I, I do like tostadas, but sometimes I just won't eat them just because it's this makes it so heavy. There's so much stuff to eat, and it's like you can get mad at me for this, Carlos. But like the eggs, the empanadas, the croquetas, the café con leche, it's like so heavy. And then you put bread there, and it's like oh god. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna kill the tostada. I, re- I respect your decision, but I just can't look at you right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I folks, think we can wrap things up there. Um, that has, Carl, that has been fun to do. On. 
Yeah, this is great. Um, you can follow Carlos. What's, what's your Twitter handle? It's is just at Carlos, Carlos at, at Carlos underscore Frias. Underscore Frias. I knew there was something in there. Um, yep. And obviously check out La Ventanita podcast every Thursday morning live. And I assume it goes on to like your podcast feed sometime during the day Thursday after that. So uh, check them out there and obviously read uh, the Miami Herald where all of us are featured a lot. Uh, Carlos, not in the sports section, obviously anymore, but uh, probably, probably the non, the non sports writer I read the most at the Herald, to be honest. Same, um, yeah. I think, I think Thank you very much, gentlemen. I would think probably a lot of our listenership might be in the same boat there, so uh, good to have a, uh, a crossover episode here. I appreciate it, guys. That, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, can we do this again next week, David? I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, forget about, we can just make this like, I don't know, the Food Check Podcast instead <laughs> yeah, exactly. of the Heat Check Podcast. There we go. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. He was out at the All-Star Game, so read all of his coverage from there. Uh, we teased his Eric Spolster feature last week. Uh, that has obviously been up now for a couple of days. Be sure to check that out. Lots of great insights from basically everyone that matters in the story of Eric Spolstra. Obviously, Pat Riley, Dwayne Wade in there. Um, anything else that you got working now this these next couple of days before the play resumes? I liked your story about the photo they did also, posing for that photo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just getting ready for the second half of the season. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a sprint. It's kind of weird, like that. It's the all-star break, like the quote-unquote midway point of the season, yeah. but they have like 23 games left or something. <laughs> yeah. so, not, really, not really a halfway point anymore. Yeah, there's only a few weeks left in the year, um, so the next few weeks should be interesting. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Uh, a lot of Panthers these days, they're back from the all-star break and uh, on fire still. Um, so, as always, thanks everyone for listening. Carlos, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>